anyway, we were in this, I think it was a number one tour, bloody hope it was number one tour, and it wasn't long after Pete Sellers died. Um, so obviously, obviously Pink Panther, Crusoe and so on, the very big business, and, um, and Ken Wright or whoever it was thought we could uh, make a few quid off of it. And Ian hadn't been very keen on it. I think he was a bit a bit queasy about bringing Bungleton up all over again because it, it had its time, didn't it? And you don't want to lean on these things too much. You know, he wants to have a go at Lear. It was coming back up in the RSC cycle and he, uh, he wanted a bash at that, I, I remember. So I think there'd been, there'd been a lot of discussion and they said, OK, well, not a portmanteau, you know, entirely new material. It, it's the last case, the, the last hurrah of, um, of Inspector Bungleton. Um, that was nice. That was nice for Ian. And to be honest, I think that's how I became involved because my agent at the time said it was you know, setting the ground for a spin-off, which you get a lot of um, nowadays. So I was put up for... I, I, I don't know, Bungleton Minor, and I, I didn't get that. Um, which I can't say I'm too sorry about all the fuss around it, it was a bit much, but I was offered this other part, a bit more third spear carrier, chauffeur, under gardener. It was a nice little turn, though. I had a bit of plot, uh, I think one forgets. Uh, and where were we? It was woking in, in spirit, if not in, um, in actuality, it was spiritually woking. Um, there was a plan, I think, towards the end of the run to transfer to London, the Vaudeville or the Playhouse, but this wasn't public. Um, and we had some very nice houses in at the time because we were we were near London. And this was good because it had taken a bit of time for Ian to get properly into it. Uh, then we had all these nice, responsive Inspector Bungleton fans coming up from London, you know, a bit more lively, made him feel made him feel loved. Which is, is quite is quite bittersweet, um, looking back on it. Um, so I have my little bit in Act 2, and then there's a follow-up in Act 3. I, I think there might be a consensus that I was canonically the last person interrogated by Inspector Bunkleton. Um, uh, anyway, there's a realisation off the back of that, and then at the very end there's the crowd around his deathbed, and this was years before they did it on telly with, with Morse, uh, where he reveals the murder with his final words, or I don't know what, what we believe his final words are, you know, keeping all the franchise options open. Um, and obviously we all heard a final speech so many times at this stage, but um, I don't know, there was something a bit... It was just slightly off, he was firing it out in bits, like there was something important on his mind he had to get on with after Curtain. And uh, and so he finishes, and we have a first call, and normally he'd be bounding up to get the most out of it. Can't really blame him, obviously. Um, except this night, he stays on the uh, on the bed or the chaise longue or, or wherever it was, and does it from there. And I don't know, maybe he's saving himself for the RSC visit, perhaps. But uh, but then after the second curtain, we're all ushered out, and Ian's still there. He's he's still not uh, he's still not got up. And he wasn't in the bar afterwards, and normally he's a goodish laugh afterwards, but we didn't think anything of it, especially, maybe, because he's taking a bit more care of himself if there's a London run in the offing. Except, of course, the, uh, the next morning, uh, the staff director calls us all in and tells us that, um, well, yes, he's, he's had a stroke on stage, and they, they took him to hospital, but um, there we are. And, and I was a young chap at the time, I wasn't close to him. The, the production sent various things to the funeral, we all got paid, of course, at the end of the, of the regional run. 
uh, London didn't end up happening, which which was a shame. And, uh, and uh, then we all go our, uh, our separate ways. Except there's a code to all this in my case, because a couple of years ago I was doing a touring Christie, I, I want to say, towards zero. And it's calling back of Woking, or wherever it was, for a couple of nights. First time I was back there, in fact, since years had passed away. And I, I didn't realise at first, it's not exactly the same gigs and towns changed a lot. So it was someone in wardrobe, I think, someone who, who was into Bungleton. Um, they, they mentioned it. And, and, and I did get a little, a little shiver, you know, you, you, you do when, when things like that, when things like that come about. And I, uh, I, of course, have a speech at the start, quite a big one, to set the scene, and then the rest of the play off, practically, because I die. It's quite a nice little arrangement for the overlays, I guess, a lot of convivial sitting around in the green room whilst the youngsters have, um, you know, have fun. I will say, though, there's a very peculiar kind of... Um, Isolation when you're when you're alone in a, in a dressing room. You can just about hear everyone else drifting in from um, in, from off stage. It's it's what do they call it? A very very liminal sort of space, um, full of people and, until it isn't, and then it then it very much isn't. And, and also, I suppose in that particular case, you really do feel like life's going on only um, only without you there. And didn't strike you particularly as a young chap, but um, and I am—I I can't remember what I was doing. I was—I was reading or looking at my phone, and I, I became aware that someone's sitting on a chair on the other side of the room. And it happens sometimes when someone's got a couple of things off; they might quietly come in, or they—they they might not. Um, I have a glance that we don't want to be to be rude, obviously, but you, know, you don't want to impose either. And upon my soul, it's Ian. It's Ian sitting there in this chair, gazing into the corner. And he's all kitted up as Inspector Bungleton. He's got the Mac and the hat and the glasses and the false nose and all, all you know, the kind of the golden era, like, like he'd been on telly 20-odd years before we met, uh, like, like the cover of the DVD. And he's just so classically forlorn and sad-looking, like he's just had a big dressing down on the show. And it's partly that, and partly the sheer disbelief. I just laugh. And he hears me laughing, and he turns to me. And his face is a picture. He looks just as baffled and amazed as I probably do. And he brings his hands up to his face. Sort of pours himself about, like he's just, just discovered that he's got a face. And it's such a... Bungleton thing, I can just imagine him doing the line right there and he stares at me and he runs his hands down his face and it looks like the makeup's coming off but then it, I realise it isn't makeup, it's one of his eyelids actually comes away and flops down his face like a bloody banana skin and he, he's waving his mouth about, big pointed chin like it's on elastic, really, really hanging down and he grabs hold, he grabs hold of the false nose trying to take it off, but it won't come for some reason, and he's pulling and pulling and pulling. You could see in his eyes that he was desperate to, to get it off, and he, he screams at me. He starts screaming, starts off quietly, but builds and screams and screams, and jumps up and shoots across the room at me. And I toss off my chair, and, and then I can't remember, one of the young chaps is, is suddenly standing over me, looking, looking very concerned. And they will think it's a, 
hit a fit or something, like a bloody bungleton curse. And the, under, and the understudy gets a go the next couple of nights. A little bit excessive, really, if you ask me. But I've not been back there, not, not been back. Um, what does hear of this happening? You know, Dan Leno at Sadler's Wells and, um, and Sid James, um, wherever he was. Perhaps Windsor wouldn't go back there. And, 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 and I do understand that. I do understand that. Because you, you don't know what they want, do you? You know, it's, it sort of makes sense if it's him playing the character, but what if in some way it, it's the character playing him? What if that's what it is? Mm -hmm.